from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. What's good with you on this Friday? Friday, thank God it's Friday. Got Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman, and for Jason Fitz. Thanks for joining us on Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio, as well as the ESPN app. This is X and Channel 80. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We're off and running on day two of the NCAA tournament. Madness update. So, so far, Michigan State was losing early, got back into it, but you look up now. Matchup in the East first round at a 7th seed, USC to 10th seed. USC now leading at 34 to 32. At one point, Harry, Michigan State was trying to run away and hide, and now this game is tied at halftime at 34. Yeah, Joshua Morgan, the big guy for USC, 6'11", 6'10", really imposing his will. 10 points right now, uh, only missing one shot from the field. But right now at halftime, it's 34-34. They're all knotted up, and, you know, USC, you talk about two coaches and Mm -hmm. Andy Enfield, and then you talk about Tom Izzo. These guys have been doing it for a long time, especially Coach Izzo. So you can only hope for a a, a wonderful game and a game that'll go down to the wire. Right now, that's what we're getting. Yeah, it's almost as good as yesterday's first game when you had that one down the wire between West Virginia taking on Maryland. Maryland won that game 67-65. to The other game that has kicked off so far, number three Xavier in the Midwest region. They lead number 14 Kennesaw State 22-17 to with 11.35 to play. Let's go, Kennesaw State. Yeah, yeah, Harry's sister went there, so of course he's going to be rooting for them. Me, I have no dog in the fight. I just want a good game. If we get an upset, eh, so be it. We got two yes involving Furman versus and Princeton. We could get two more today. Let's bring in our man Seth Greenberg. Always, always great to chat up him, especially NCAA tournament as an ESPN college basketball analyst. Hit him on Twitter at Seth on Hoops. And Seth, I'm going to go to the Houston situation. Marcus Sasser did not play in the second half. He's their leader. He's their engine with that groin injury. Jamal Shedd, he has an extended, he has a hyperextended knee that could hamper Houston. They play Auburn. How much will all this could keep Houston from getting to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament? Yeah, um, second weekend. That's interesting. Uh, like they don't have Marcus Sasser. They're not. A, they're not a Final Four team. Just plain and simple. If they don't have Sasser and Shed, that means Terrence Archino, a, a freshman's going to have to play. They may. They might not get out of the uh, out of the, out of this weekend. I mean, this is an Auburn team that can rebound, it's physical, that's athletic, that defends, that plays really, really hard. Uh, struggles shooting the ball, but look, you can't lose a Marcus Sasser. You can't lose a Marcus Sasser's the first team All American for a reason. The guy's a closer. He's the Davion Mitchell of this Houston team. I remember Davion Mitchell mm-hmm. led Baylor to that national championship. He's a guy at the end of the game that can get a stop. He's a guy at the end of the game that can get your bucket. He's a guy at the end of the game that can get in the lane and get someone else an easy shot. If you take him and Shed away, uh, Houston has problems. No matter how good their culture is, no matter how hard they play, no matter how well they rebound the ball, you can't lose guys like that or have two guys like that that aren't playing up to their potential because of injury and expect to win. Coach, I want to focus on the other three number one seeds. You have Alabama, Purdue, and Kansas. Of those three teams, who was in the most trouble this weekend? Well, you know, this weekend, I would say the Sweet 16, I would say it's Purdue. Just going to have to play Duke, and I think Duke is is really uh, playing at a high, high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Alabama is uh, right now, I mean, they won by going away, and Brandon Bill didn't score a field goal. 
I mean, think about that. The guy didn't score a field goal. That's how good they are. That's how deep they are. That's how talented they are. Um, the one overall I would be concerned with just in a big picture is probably Kansas of the, of the one, number ones besides Purdue. Uh, just because they have the smallest margin of, of error because they have, they're so reliant on Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, Kevin McCuller, and Dewan Harris. If any of those guys get in foul trouble, uh, then they have, you know, they have a situation where they can get upset. Seth Greenberg, great job as always on the ESPN College Basketball Analyst. Hit him on Twitter, Seth on Hoops on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Staying there with Brandon Miller because you mentioned no points yesterday. I don't want to say he looked distracted, but when you need armed security around you because you're getting those kind of threats that Nate Oates said as Alabama coach, and that's why there was armed security around him leading into practice and even in the press conference, how concerned should Alabama be, or maybe that you are, that maybe this is starting to catch up to Brandon Miller? Look, I mean, I, I can't walk in his shoes. I mean, it's a horrific situation. Uh, a young boy is going to be raised without his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mom is lost. Uh, it is a tragedy. Um, there's no doubt about it. As of this far, I think that Brandon Miller on the court has handled it uh, really well. I mean, he just goes out and plays, and boy, does he play. I mean, like, I did the game right after uh, the, the story actually broke against South Carolina, and he struggled early, and he was hearing all kinds of noise in the crowd, and then he just took over the game in the, in the last five minutes of the overtime at 41. <clears throat> I guess the glass yesterday, Brady, I think it was just the day of, you know what? Getting Bradley's got it going, Quinley's got it going, Clowney can get it going, Bediaco can get it going. They got so many guys that can that can step up and play. My gut feeling is when they need him, uh, Brandon Miller will be will be ready to play. I think that's his safe haven in a lot of ways when he can just go out in the court and play ball. Coach, which team is not getting enough love today, but can also shock the world? That's not getting enough love today. Mm-hmm. That can shock the world. Why? Well, you know. You know, I, yesterday it was Penn State for me. I, I, okay. didn't, I didn't have Furman. I didn't have, but, but yesterday it was Penn State. I was all over Penn State. I think Pitt and Iowa State. Pitt's got four senior starters. All right? So, I mean, they're, they're older than the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, Jamaris Burton's the first team All-ACC player. Uh, Nellie Cummings is a, a lead point guard that played in the NCAA tournament. Blake Henson uh, is a uh, matchup problem. Greg Elliott's a big-time shooter. To play against that Iowa State defense and the way the Big 12 defends is keeping everything on the sideline really physical. You need what I call four gamers and shot makers. Pitt has that. Now, can they compete physically on the backboards? Uh, the other thing is Iowa State at times gets stuck offensively. Right. The other team that I think is a little bit of an upset alert is Miami. If Norchad O'Meara doesn't play, Drake's winning that game. I'm just telling you. If Nor- Norchad O'Meara does not play, Drake's winning that game. This is a, a great team that starts four seniors. It's a great team that Tucker DeVries, the coach's son, his dad was an assistant coach to Greg McDermott. Uh, he watched Doug McDermott blow up in the NCAA tournament. He's got a similar game. Roman Penn is a, is a fifth-year senior point guard. Ronald Brody is a big physical fifth-year frontcourt player. Uh, they defend, they rebound, and they don't turn it over. Uh, Drake is a very good team without, and I'm saying without, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 
No Chad Amir, I think Miami's in trouble. Yeah, and it's been Tucker DeVries, Player of the Year in the Missouri Valley Conference as only a sophomore for the Drake Bulldogs. Seth Greenberg, ESPN College Basketball Analyst on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Now, your alma mater is Fairleigh Dickinson University, the pride of Teaneck, New Jersey. They play top seed at Purdue today. Tobin Anderson, the head coach of FDU, he told his team how we can shock the world after they won their first four game earlier this week. The more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat them. Yes, yes, sir. Let's go shock the world. Let's go do this. Yes, sir. Hey, enjoy, enjoy this one. Enjoy this one. Be humble, right? Be humble. Enjoy this one. We go back. We're headed to Columbus Grace. So, so that was after they won their first four game in the locker room, Seth. And believe me, Purdue heard about it. They didn't take too kindly to it. How can your alma mater shock the world and knock down number one seed at Purdue in that region? I love Tobin Anderson. He, he tells them, all right, I've, I've watched tape. We're going to beat Purdue. I see how we can beat Purdue. Mm-hmm. And then he tells the team to be humble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh oh, I made a mistake. Uh, yeah, he uh, look. He's done a great job. I mean, their their only chance is they've got to get up and pressure, which is what they do. They can score. They can get pressure. Maybe push Purdue out a little bit. They got to rebound as a team. They got to spread them out and drive them. They got to limit the number of possessions of the game. Uh, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson is so small that even if they double Zach Eady. It's going to make no difference because he's just looking over those dudes anyway. I'm the tallest guy we have is six foot seven. So I think the most important thing is to see if they can create some offense out of the defense, disrupt the rhythm of the game, slow it down when they have it, but attack the basket, and then uh, make a bunch of shots. But uh, yeah, I love Tobin. He, his first year, he's done a great job. I did the tip-off banquet this year. Yeah. You know, it's fun to see some enthusiasm and excitement on the campus. But you know. You can't say be humble and right. not be humble. <laughs> I, I, I've already given him a. I've already given him a rash of crap. I said, humble, huh? <laughs> well, can, you look at, can you can you please look it up in the dictionary? Because he forgot those cameras was in there. Uh-huh. He forgot cameras and microphones oh, and everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, I know. Right. Right. Hey, it's a viral moment for Fairly Dick. You know what that's going to do? It's going to help enrollment. Oh, no question. Yeah, the admissions office right now, they're preparing because that's definitely going to help enrollment. Ask St. Peter's from last year how that worked for them going to the Elite Eight, another Jersey school that did some major things in the NCAAs. Always appreciate you, Seth. Enjoy the rest of the week in the NCAA tournament as well. Thanks, bud. Appreciate Appreciate you guys. Great stuff by Seth Greenberg, ESPN College basketball analyst. Hit him on Twitter at Seth on Hoops. He joined Fitz and Harry. Thanks to Wendy's, too, for six bucks. It's the best deal in fast food. So while FDU is looking to pull off a shocking upset, they wouldn't be the first Jersey school to do it this year. We'll talk to a team that's done that next on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Arizona, when we were watching them, as I started to watch, I was like, how, how in the world are we going to be in this game? Langford dribbling right down the lane, puts it up on the run, banked it in! Princeton has taken the lead with two minutes to go. I just thought we played so tough right down the, the stretch. The horn is going to sound. The Princeton Magic is alive and well. The Princeton Tigers upset Arizona. Sound courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network.
on this Get Your Groove on Friday on Fitz and Harry. You got Harry Douglas over there. And believe me, he's getting his groove on. I'm Freddie coming in for Jason Fitz over here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series X and Channel 80. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Real quick, according to Paul Gutierrez, Las Vegas Raiders reporter for ESPN NFL Nation. Jimmy Garoppolo has been signed, sealed, delivered, and confirmed he has signed that contract to be a member of the Las Vegas Raiders. But as good as that is for him, it is nowhere near as great as what Princeton basketball is able to do, taking down number two Arizona as a 15 seed, second straight year. A 15 seed from the state of New Jersey takes down a number two seed with Wildcats as part of their team when it comes to the mascot. And poor Mitch Henderson. He talked to me last night as Princeton head coach after they won. Now he's got to deal with me again, not even 12 hours later here on Fitz and Harry. He joins us here, the great Princeton basketball coach. And coach, we had a chance to talk last night. Has it still sunk in, or what level has it sunk in that your team is about to play for a chance to go to Sweet 16 after taking down number two Arizona last night? Yeah, Freddie, first of all, pleasure to do this twice. I mean, this is so fun, and as you know, you got to soak these things in. And yep. no, it hasn't hasn't sunk in. You know, we're um, we're we're deep in the Missouri prep at this point, and we know we're one away from uh, a potential Sweet 16 uh, appearance. And you know, you what what. Uh, you got to keep drawing on the, on, on, I, I think, and I said this to you yesterday, the little kid in you, you know, and just, you know, keep dreaming. And we, we um, we're, we're so happy and we're getting a little bit of a sense. I said to the guys last night at dinner, I was like, you guys have any idea what you just did? You know? And um, I, I think it's starting to sink in for our group and we want to keep going. Coach, one thing everyone talked about, you know, heading to this game was Arizona's size advantage. How did you guys manage to take that away? Well, they had us. I mean, we we were um, we were concerned about it too. <laughs> um, they had us, you know, by a few inches at, at the two big guy spots, and they kept throwing the ball inside. But we used our double teams. We, you know, the guy, you know, Zach Martini, Cade Pierce, Keyshawn, they were just flying around all over the place. It felt like you had two guys guarding one, even when it was one on one down there. And uh, you know, that it was a team effort for sure. And um, I, I thought. Our defense, obviously, is what got us where we are now. We, we didn't play well offensively, um, but they, they didn't get much inside, and that was, the, that was our key. Mitch, one of the things we talked about more than ever before in modern basketball is dealing with the transfer portal. But another thing a lot of people really don't talk about as much, there's not that fear factor like it used to be because you on that Princeton team that took down UCLA, and everybody said, oh, Princeton, the Goliath being taken down by the David. Why do you think that more than ever before that any kid that goes anywhere, whether it's Ivy League or another mid-major, is saying we can take down these top teams because we're not afraid of them? So it's a good question. I have a couple of thoughts on it. You know, first I think the the modern kid is playing, you know, basically an AAU on the shoe circuits. You know, Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, and they're seeing all these other kids that they're playing against at every tournament. They're on the same teams. Um, you know, when I was playing, you know, you were sort of you played against the guys that were in the magazines, and you you, you didn't really see them. <laughs> right. They were they were at a different level. So you know, there's a there's no fear factor. You just said it right. Like there's no um, they're not afraid. They've they've played against all of these guys before. Second part is you know this is so much information that such a small world now with you know the social media. The guys are so aware of all who all these other guys are. Um, they're up to date, so there's nothing that surprises them as we started to prepare for the scout. Most of these guys had seen, you know, this guy had transferred from that school, and they, they know, you know, that's not, not sneaking up on them. Um, so, you know, and, and to point out, too, we don't have any transfers here, you yeah. know. 
starting a freshman. We, we're a four-year university. Um, we, uh, you know, we just, we, we sort of, if you call this old school, I don't know, but I mean, we're really much of a four-year progress process here and uh, at Princeton, and, and I'm just so proud of our guys. Coach, how, how did you use, you know, the win that you had as a player over UCLA as motivation for your team this time around? I, I didn't talk about it much. You know, the, the 27th anniversary was March 13th. So mm-hmm. I said, look, this is, this is what one, – one thing that, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that we, we worked on that week was – I remember Coach Carroll saying, I'm preparing you to win the game. And um, when the ball went up for the tip, all five of us ran back on defense. <laughs> we didn't go for the jump ball. I remember. Coach, coach said – Coach goes uh, – don't worry, don't jump. You're not going to get it anyway. Just run back. And, uh, and you know, I mean, I, I didn't do that to that extreme. But, you know, I did, we did, I think, play to win. And um, I used all my timeouts, you know, try to, uh, with six, six or so minutes left, it's just to try to keep us in the game. I knew that, you know, they, they, um, they can really hit a haymaker in like a 12 nothing run in Arizona. So I thought we, we managed the game really well together and, and the guys, you know, they, they took that to heart. And, and that's how you, you get these big wins. No doubt about that. Mitch Henderson of the Princeton basketball team, they knock off number two Arizona as a 15th seed, joining us on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. By the way, hit him on Twitter at Mitch underscore Henderson 98. Now, you mentioned your coach and one of your mentors and Pete Carrill passed away earlier this season. How much did it mean to you not only to get Princeton back to the NCAA tournament, win the first game in the turn for a long time and do it that way playing Princeton basketball. Yeah, it, it means an awful lot to me. You know, Freddie, we, um, you know, we, I, I, and I think coach would, would say the same thing, but, you know, we, at Princeton, we, we work really hard to identify um, a, a, a really special student athletes and parents entrust us with, with their kids. And this is a special place unlike anything else in the Ivy league or even any program anywhere. And, and parents from all over the globe say, you know, we're going to give you your kids. And my parents did the same thing with coach Carrill and, and my parents were right. This university changed my life and it's changing our student athletes lives. Real quick coach. You had a great picture on Twitter and it says my mentor and friend, Jesse Marsh was with mm-hmm. us today. He and his wife, kids are godparents through our son, Princeton coaching tree. It's special stuff. Love you. My brother. What is it about that Princeton coaching tree that no matter where you are, that tree gets stronger and stronger and stronger? Yeah, you know, so um, Jesse actually is a, a soccer coach. He was a, a coach in the Premier League. So, um, but but also, you know, my best friend and and close, you know, and as you know, Freddie, you know, you you um, you know, you can draw on your, you, know, you just draw on coaches. There's not really much. It's it's sort of a lonely existence in some ways because sure. you're you're going through something as the head coach sometimes that you need to talk to another head coach um and i i don't know what it is but you know bob bradley was the coach uh of the national team he was the coach at princeton jesse played for him and you know i, I i'm on that text thread with jesse and bob and a bunch of other uh, basketball coaches uh, i just think that there's great you know coach carrill jesse bob bradley these, these are teachers teachers first and uh Coach Carrill would always say that, that basketball is a metaphor for life. And, you know, this is one of those moments where you got to soak it in and, and um, you know, just appreciate, you know, all the good fortune that we've been able to experience, especially in places here like Princeton. 
and uh, and we're just so proud of our our guys and, and the university community is too. Hey, Coach Henderson, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Although talking to me in two times in twelve hours, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Good luck when you take no. up with you. <laughs> a pleasure, a pleasure, buddy. Come on, I love it. <laughs> so do I, my friend. Take care, Coach. Go get him against Missouri tomorrow. Okay. okay? Okay, thanks a lot. Great stuff by Mitch Henderson. Hit him on Twitter, Mitch, under, Mitch Henderson underscore 98. Princeton, number 15 seed, will take on number 7 seed in Missouri. That game part of the South Region matchup to go to the Sweet 16. That's at 6 10 p.m. 6, 10 p.m. Eastern time on TNT tomorrow. Madness Update. That Michigan State-USC game, we thought it would be pretty good, Harry. It's been a lot better than we thought right now. You can say the same thing about Kennesaw State versus Xavier. Right now, Kennesaw State leading Xavier is 36-34, three minutes to play in the first half. Meanwhile, USC-Michigan State, that game tied at 38 with 17-39 to play in the second half. Yeah, and USC, they're able to stay afloat with their star uh, player, Bo- uh, Bo- uh, Boogie uh, Ellis. Yeah. He's one for two for eight from the field right now, so they're able to still hang into this thing. If he gets going, it could be a major boost for USC. Yeah, right now, USC, the 10th seed in the East region, taking on Michigan State, the 7th seed. Meanwhile, number 14, Kennesaw State in the Midwest region, leading number three, Xavier, 36-34, under three minutes to play in the first. I will keep an eye on both of those games till its conclusion right here on Fitz and Harry. Got Harry Douglas over there. Freddie come in for Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. One team made a move yesterday that made a ton of sense, but their next move may not make any. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Jason Fitz and Harry Douglas are Fitz and Harry. The Wolfpack is about to grow as Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. Am I part of the Wolfpack, first of all? Is oh, that yeah. what you're suggesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Which 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 guy from the hangover would you be, though? Like, you're dashingly good-looking, so it feels like Bradley Cooper, but does that yeah. make me Allen? Like, I don't carry his satchel. No, I'll go Bradley Cooper. I mean, who hates being good-looking? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean I'm Black Doug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Harry's Black Doug. We've established that. You know, that that's the one thing we know. <laughs> what were you? What were you How do we get to that avenue of the hangover between you, Jason Fitzharry, and Jeff Darlington? We go I- off the rails a lot, Freddie. I don't mind we going go off, off the we rails. Go off, we go off. We go off the rails a lot. I get it. I understand that going off the rails. You know, <laughs> sympathetic. I could not more be. But all of a sudden, we went. There, you guys went there. And poor Jeff Johnson. He couldn't even speak. That poor guy. You put that out there. As soon as I told him I was Black Doug, he lost it. Oh he couldn't my keep goodness! It together. <laughs> Good lord, that's what they do here each and every day on Fitz and Harry. <laughs> He's Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman in for Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Hit us up anytime you want at triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six, and Harry will tell you. When you're friends and teammates, it can be very, very hard when the business gets in the way. And in the business of sports, it's not about feelings. It's about what's best for the team, even at the expense of players. Check out what Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback, had to say when Ezekiel Elliott and everybody found out that the Cowboys were going to release him after six years. Rope is men uh, throughout the, with this organization. 
I really can't imagine taking the field without him. Uh, something I don't know if it's completely hit me yet. Um, obviously, I've talked to him. Talked to him. I'm hurt, sure he is, but it's more important for me just to be able to support him. I know he's got more opportunities coming his way. Love that guy, proud of him. Harry, what was it like for you when somebody that you cared about and either you decided to leave or that person decided to leave and you knew that was the business of sports, but that does not mean that you liked the whole thing going down? It was, it was rough, Freddie. Um, when I got released from Atlanta and, you know, I shed tears, you know, when I started getting a call from Roddy, from Julio, from, mm-hmm. you know, Eric Weems and Devin Hester, my guys, because, you know, we're in the same receiver room and then talking to Matt and, and all of us still to this day, we travel together. We do things together. I, I, I was just in Roddy's wedding last year, right. just had a year anniversary. Um, so so it, it hurt. But at the, same, at the end of the day, we understood it was business. And funny story, at the same time, me and my brother were released around the same time, right? Really? So we, and I was in, happened to be in Orlando at the time where he was living, and we went to Dave and Buster's with his kids and stuff. So we were actually laughing and joking about it, like, dang, we both jobless at the same time. <laughs> like, we made a little joke about it, but it, it, it hurt because – you know, I grew up here, and I grew up watching the Falcons. And Roddy and Julio, those guys are my brothers from another mother. Right. But what one thing I always made sure I did was never let my emotions get in the way of business. Mm-hmm. It was no ill will towards anybody here at the Falcons organization. And I kept a great relationship with them. And then tenfold, come back years later, I did the coaching internship. I'm close with Arthur Blank. Mm-hmm. I'm very close with Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot and those guys. So uh, I think it's about how you handle the situation. It's never going to be peaches and cream because it's, it's, these are people you love. These are people you went through training camp with. These are people that, you know, dur- during their tough times, y'all are leaning on one another to get through those tough times. So it's never going to be easy. But my pastor told me this when I met with him. Okay. Never let – your emotions get in the way of business, and that's, that's what I was able to do. One of the things about that, by the way, Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together and Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, that was something that has been a hallmark of Jerry Jones for the longest time. He did not allow that to become the case with Ezekiel Elliott because I guarantee you, say whatever you want about Jerry Jones, and believe me, I'm a Cowboys fan. I will completely agree with you what you have to say about Jerry Jones one way or the other. But it could have been very easy for him to say, we, let's run it back one more time with Ezekiel Elliott because he's been so good for this organization the last couple of years, two-time rushing champion in the National Football League. He did not allow those emotions to get in the way of what should be the business of the Cowboys. And the business of the Cowboys is what can you do to put people around Dak Prescott this way he can't have any more excuses to be the kind of quarterback that they're expecting. That's why Mike McCarthy is taking over the play sheet when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. And if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, you move on from Ezekiel Elliott. If B. John Robinson is still there in the draft, if you don't draft that guy, then what are you doing if you're the Dallas Cowboys? Then make sure you have those two guys together with him and Tony Pollard. But it could have been very easy for Jerry Jones to let his emotions get in the way because we've seen him do that by dealing out contracts to players or keeping guys a year, a year and a half past their due date. It stinks for Ezekiel Elliott. It stinks for Dak Prescott. But Jerry Jones, in my opinion, he had to make this decision because it was the right decision to move on from a guy that he really cares about a lot. And, Freddie, I commend him for it because is it easy? No, it's not easy, especially when you're attached to some of these guys and, you know, you have the relationship outside of the building, too, and you want the best for them and right. you know how much they put into your organization and they're going to give their all every time they're out there if you're an owner looking at the player or whatnot. 
but at the same time you can't you cannot let that cloud your mind when it comes to business and putting the best product on the football field right. in order to have that success and we all know Dak Prescott needs more playmakers around him mm-hmm. one of those playmakers we know that they that they have is Tony Pollard Ezekiel Elliott wasn't that guy he was on the decline just calling a spade a spade now let's see if they can add more pieces to the puzzle so the Dallas Cowboys in which we've seen the Philadelphia Eagles now lose a lot of pieces defensively yeah. so I think things are a little bit more closer in the in the in the in the, in the nfc east than people probably picture it picture it as being so now can the dallas cowboys add more pieces to get over that hump that's been clouded them for so long well there's one move that harry douglas thinks the cowboys better make right now to replace the production that ezekiel elliott used to provide that's next on fitz and harry and this is espn radio fitz and harry the podcast Just me and you, just the two. If I could have any money in the world, I'd pay any kind of a money to have Tony, Tony, Tony reunite again. So, Rafael Sadiq, if you're listening to us here on Fitz and Harry with Harry Douglas and Freddie coming in for Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio, make this happen. I didn't get the pony I wanted when I was eight years of age. Harry, please let me have this with Tony, Tony, Tony <laughs> getting back together. I don't ask for much in this life. Just let me have that. Oh, That's man, all. This- this song here was everything, mm-hmm. Freddie. Man. Everything. Exactly. Man. You know, come on, Rod Sadiq. Don't leave a brother hanging out. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, all you got to do is visit Progressive.com slash careers. That is Progressive.com slash careers. Uh, remember Odell Beckham Jr., that wide receiver? Play, yeah, Drafted by the New York Giants, mm-hmm. then traded to the Cleveland Browns, didn't want to be there, was on his way to being a major part of the Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams and tore his ACL. And then he was out of football last year. Remember that guy? Yeah. Uh, Harry Douglas firmly believes that a move the Cowboys should make Harry Douglas is to employ the services of one Odell Beckham Jr. I do. I do. Uh, and I would love for them to get a either Odell Beckham Jr. or, you know, one of these, you know, top receivers, uh-huh. long range a guy that can DeAndre Hopkins that, you know, can catch anything around him. But the reason why I say Odell in particular is because okay. You look at when they lost Amari Cooper, right? You lost a guy opposite of C.D. Lamb who's also a guy that you can count on but is a route runner. Right. When I think about Odell Beckham Jr., I think about how his routes are crisp, how he has big hands, how he can you know, play inside, play outside, play a lot, a lot of different areas on the football field. You have C.D. Lamb who you know, was the leading receiver for this team last year. The next leading receiver was Dalton Schultz. So the need at that position is, 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 is sky high. But you add a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., you have a guy, a route technician, you know he's going to win his one-on-one matchups, and also another guy that the defense has to worry about. Now you add a DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Now you have, not saying DeAndre Hopkins can't run routes, but – He's not the route runner that Odell is. But you have a guy that's sure-handed as well as Odell Beckham Jr. You put the ball around him, they're probably going to come down with the catch. And then the 50-50 balls. When he's guarded, he's not really guarded because of his wingspan and his hand size. Uh, So that's why I would like the Dallas Cowboys, Hmm. uh, number one, Odell Beckham Jr. or DeAndre Hopkins, get that guy opposite of C.D. Lamb to take a lot of attention off of him. By the way, the New York Giants will not be a part of a reunion when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr., according to Jordan Renan, ESPN NFL Giants reporter. 
by the Giants adding Paris Campbell and re-signing Darius Slayton yesterday. He said, and I quote, this now solidifies that the Giants will not be players for Odo Beckham Jr. Put that dream to rest. He is slash was out of their price range, end quote. We know that he will not lack suitors when it comes to Odo Beckham Jr. I don't care if you're the Cowboys. Diana Rossini's talking about maybe the Jets could be interested. Also put the Chiefs in that conversation, the Rams, the Bills, the Browns, the Cardinals, Panthers, Patriots, Ravens, Vikings, and 49ers. All those teams attended his workout a week ago. So, yeah, there's more than a casual interest. Price got to be right, though, th- th- That's where it comes down to. Price and n- not so much right. with the teams. But what is Odell Beckham Jr. going to want? What is he going to, I don't want to use the word demand, but I mean, I'm going to use the word demand because Odell Beckham Jr. still believes he's a superstar or he believes when he gets back on that field, Harry Douglas, that he'll be a superstar again. So if he believes that, he wants superstar money. He wants a superstar contract. And you can't do that no matter who may be interested in him until you see exactly what that's going to look like in 2020, 2023 excuse me, on the football field. Freddie, it's Taylor True Friday. Now, I'll go ahead and let you guys know. I'm a former player. I want guys to get as much money as they can. But also my job, especially in the role that I have now, is to let people understand reality at the same time. And the reality is of the entire situation when it comes to Odell Beckham Jr. Is he a phenomenal talent? Hell, yes, he is. But when you look at his career in the nine years, Freddie, there's only been two seasons where he's completed every single game. Mm Mm-hmm. He has four of those seasons in which he played eight games and under. Not to mention he's coming off of ACL and not playing a year ago. So that's why I say the price range has to be right for whatever team that's going to bring him in. Because if you're looking at people like the Chiefs, if you're looking at people like the Jets, and already what they have acquired, well, the Jets got to play Quinn Williams as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's going to play a factor on top of where Aaron Rodgers is going to be making. Right, you just paid Alan Lazard. Now you look at the Kansas City Chiefs; they didn't sign Juju Smith-Schuster back. They wanted to, but maybe Juju Smith wanted the money that New England was offering. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say like the money has to make sense to these teams. And it's nothing against Odell Beckham Jr. and his talent, but are you going to be durable? Are you going to be able to make it through the entire season? In which his career, when you look at it, it's only been two seasons where he's played every game out of the nine years. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman in for Jason Fitz on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The point you just made in terms of availability, you know this, the best ability in the NFL or any professional sport mm-hmm. is availability. And you cannot be seduced by a potential gift or potential talent that a player has. To me, Odo Beckham Jr., may run into the same thing that Kyrie Irving is going to run into in the offseason when or if he decides to become a free agent and he wants to leave Dallas. And if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, you got to resign that guy because you gave up so much for him to yes. bring him to the Dallas Mavericks. You're not doing the same thing Odell, Odell Beckham Jr., but you can't allow yourself to be seduced by the fact that, man, if he's right, because I guarantee you Dallas is seduced by that. Saying, hey, if Kyrie's right, he's going to be right here. Now we got somebody for Luka Doncic, and we don't know if that's going to happen. Kyrie may decide to turn tail and go somewhere else. If you're any team wanting to sign Odell Beckham Jr., to me, it can't be more than a one-year deal because you can't trust that with a guy like that, no matter his kind of talent. You can't allow the great smile the great hair, the great ability, and you say, you know what? I'll give you that three-year deal and a $25 million signing bonus. Uh, That kind of seduction is not worth paying for in modern football in the NFL. So whatever the price tag is for Odo Beckham Jr., 
Harry, he's going to have to lower it because what he wants is not necessarily what he is going to get or what he should get based on the fact that, to your point, he's only been available two out of nine seasons playing a full schedule in the National Football League. And, and I will say this, Freddie, and I add to it, like, you know, Odell, he's going to bring some things on his end, too. He's a Super Bowl champion, right? He, he has a demeanor at the wide receiver position that I love. And a lot of people, you know, misunderstand him because of his passion. I l- used to love playing with guys with passion. Because it let me know they love the game. They don't take it for granted. They don't know when their last time is going to be. Sure. That's, the, that's their mindset. That's the way they approach it. But when it comes, from, uh, comes to an availability standpoint, you got to be able to bend it, be there. Like with the Rams, you know, I think in 2021 he played 14 games, mm-hmm. uh, 2027 games. But then you got the 2017, it was four games. 2018, 12 games. He got to be able to be available to whoever he's signing with so he can showcase his talents on a larger scale. And listen, he was going to be MVP of the Super Bowl in my eyes if he didn't get hurt. I hear you. I'm with you on that. But he did get hurt. You can't, it's not like you can, we can just erase that. Yeah. And then it was an ACL. If he's with Kansas City, that would be equivalent to legalized robbery. Oh, in the man. National Football League. Like, Patrick Mahomes what? doesn't have enough weapons. Odo Beckham Jr., motivated, trying to stay healthy. That would be legalized robbery if he joined the Kansas City Chiefs. Are two familiar Blue Bloods about to take over March Madness? That's next on Fitz and Harry. And this is ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 